Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. What's up, guys? This week on the podcast, we had Kevin Clark. He has a great YouTube channel, and he is a good source of information. Enjoy. And if you haven't already, please rate and subscribe to our podcast because it helps us tremendously. And remember that we are sponsored by Build by Strength. They bring out nothing but the best, and they are third-party tested to make sure they have no banned substances. So what's your story, man? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. So my name is Kevin Clark. I come from Cottage Grove, Wisconsin, which is a little city outside of Madison. Uh, I grew up playing football, and I was always an athletic kid, but then when I turned 14, and it was my first offseason in high school football, we were in the weight room, and I decided that this was the path I wanted to take. So I actually ended up quitting the football program mm -hmm. and picking up weightlifting, and it was on December 16th, 2016, that I decided to make that decision. And pretty much the rest is history in terms of my fitness career. I fell in love with it, started getting obsessed with growing and learning more about myself and learning more about how to manipulate training variables in my diet. And I found it as like this interesting science that really grew to like. And as kind of a, almost a Cinderella story, if you want to call it, I ended up taking two years off from football, coming back from my senior year, started a bunch of games at a brand new position, mm -hmm. had a great time, had a very fulfilling ending to my senior year. And then after that, I... I uh, went to college at the UW, uh, University of Madison, Wisconsin, and now I'm studying biochemistry engineering and decided to pick up a YouTube channel uh, just to create videos and further my reach because I decided that this is something that I really want to pursue. So I found you through YouTube, obviously. Um, what was the why behind it? Just education? Uh, well, it kind of goes along the same lines about why I want to start my own podcast. And it's because I really felt like I have something to share. And I know a lot of people are into fitness. And I know a lot of people do the same thing as I do. But for some reason, I just have this like belief that I have this way of conveying my message that is unique to others. And I feel personally that I've been able to achieve a lot and learn a lot at such a young age. And it's really the fact that I want to show that A, young people can do it, mm -hmm. and B, that it's never too early to start. And that's what I always tell my audience over on YouTube is that like you start building habits now. I don't care if you're in seventh grade mm -hmm. and you want to lose some weight, like tell your mom that, like just tell somebody, start now, even if it's only the smallest of increments, it matters. It's going to add up. And that's just the biggest message that I can tell people. And then that's why I want to spread my message. It's also fun. Like I love working with cameras. I love working with digital editing. Those are like some hobbies that I feel like are going to be good skills when I grow up. And even if YouTube doesn't end up panning out, which is always an option, I'll have these new skills that I'll be able to carry into my life as well. Now, when it comes to your YouTube content, um, and you said you have a special interest in talking to the younger kids about starting early. Now, would you consider that your niche or is there something else that you do? I mean, I, that's one thing that I've always been told when you look up YouTube videos about, oh, how do I start a YouTube channel? Everybody says like, you got to niche down and you got to like find your target audience. But it's been something that I've been kind of experimenting with. So I'll make videos that target this audience and I'll make videos that target that audience. But I feel like I connect best with the people that are my age mm -hmm. to show that, look what I've achieved. I'm not special. You can do it too. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I also make a lot of content that's just helpful in general because I mm -hmm. want to apply to everybody. But I guess my, my target audience that I like to connect with most would be people around my age, just because again, I want to show people that you can do it as well. Mm -hmm. So how does your current training look like? My current training after, so before coronavirus, uh, I was training like a very powerlifting focused regimen. I was like smashing like 5,000 calories a day. I was type thick. I was super cloudy and I was like just benching big weight for fun. And then quarantine started and I was like, 
well, now I have access to absolutely no weights. What am I going to do? Hashtag push up. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So what I did actually, I took a backpack and I filled it with rocks in my garden and it weighed about 70 pounds. Oh, wow. And then I started doing push-ups, pull-ups, dips. And then I, over that like three or four month period, I lost about 25 pounds. And that was my very first video. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. But that was my transformation video that kind of went viral and it got like 140,000 views where my first video ever, and it was documenting the diet that I used to lose that 25 pounds and build up a whole bunch of uh, body weight strength. Mm -hmm. But now that gyms are back open and hope they don't close again, because and tomorrow is actually the big day where I've been working five months ever since the gym's back open, um, building my strength back up, slowly, slowly putting on weight again. Um, that I'm tomorrow's my max day for mm -hmm. my squat bench deadlift. And then after that, I'm probably going to go into some kind of uh, powerlifting because I want to compete in that someday. Um, but I guess over those five months previously, I was doing like super intense hypertrophy training. So I've, I, it's something I've never done before where I focus on like super high reps. And a lot of people, when they think of like the gain zone, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, you got to do three sets of 12. It's going to get right. me huge. Uh, I actually started doing like sets of 20 sets of 30 and like taking it to like absolute destroy my life failure where you're doing like a set of 20 and then you're dropping it and then you're doing 20 more reps and then you're doing an isometric hold for 20 seconds. And then it's like, so like that type of training is what I've been doing. And I've saw, seen fantastic results. And what that's basically told me is that it doesn't matter how many reps you're doing as long as you're like going hard and like the intensity is really the key factor of growth as well as volume. Obviously you can't do just one set a week, but for me at least intensity has unlocked that next tier of gains rather than just like doing more and more and more and more, mm -hmm. but less on each individual set. Yeah. I mean, and when you're an advanced lifter, uh like you just can't progressively overload with weight every single workout it's almost impossible yeah. um and like even the literature is pretty clear that you can build rep range at any uh, build muscle at any rep range so yeah that's something that's commonly like a lot of misinformation in the fitness industry like oh you gotta do three four sets of eight to twelve reps and you're gonna get big like eh, not that's not quite true um, did you follow Greg Duchette's or Duchette's diet for, so I did. Uh, uh, what were your favorite recipes? Obviously love the anabolic French toast. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I liked the most actually, which is going to sound weird, especially coming from 18 year old or anybody in that matter was the salads. So I would put like, I'm talking like an absolutely absurd amount of spinach in my salads. And I would put like mushrooms, cucumbers, tomatoes, watermelon, feta cheese, I would put it all in there and it would be like a bowl like this big and it would be like 400 calories. I'm like, this is sweet. Uh, I liked the wraps. I pretty much liked everything that he put on his YouTube channel because those are the ones that he promoted as being the best. Yeah. So I just ate those. I was super happy. The ice cream, can't forget the ice cream. I've probably made more ice cream, ice cream uh, in the last four months than I've eaten in the last 18 years. <laughs> yeah. He's huge into a lot of volume, but hypocaloric. I, I like some of his recipes. It works though. And, and that's one thing I'll say is I was, I was shocked and I made some adjustments. I, I certainly made some adjustments that I liked, but for, for what it is, I think it, it really shows that you can eat a lot of food and not get a lot of calories and it, it proves the whole calories in calories out yep. as if that needed to be proved. But I mean, people still try to argue against it, which makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like thermodynamics guys. It's now hormones. Meant, now it's all the hormones. We had it's people insulin. on man. We had, oh yeah. We had to delete those episodes. We had people on. Like, really? So, yeah. We didn't yeah. upload it. He, he does a phenomenal job of bringing the people on because I'm terrible at out outreach, but he's phenomenal at it. And, this one guy we had on, he was just like, he was basically calling all the shots for us. I was like, all right, I thought it was our show, first of all. And then anyways, <laughs> he just started to talk about how hormones were the key, not calories. Calories is not even a thing. Uh, our body doesn't know what a calorie is. And it just it just went south real quick. And it just turned into me entertaining him long enough to make him think that we were going to put him on the show. It's a pretty famous guy. He has like uh, half a million followers. I mean, we're not going to drop names, but the craziest yeah. thing was that 
he told us that if you sit with a lamp like on top of you, like your blood glucose levels go up. Like when he said that, like he lost us. Like, like I lost the episode. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was bad. And that that's part of the other reason because like when I do my YouTube, I'm like I'm so ain't like angry. I'm like just so disappointed with some of the content that I see that I'm like this is literally guiding people down the wrong path so they can sell them a product or a program that isn't going to work. And then I have to, I get this person in my Instagram DMs. Not that I don't love getting DMs. I love it. I love responding to people, helping them out, but they're telling me the way it is. They're like, well, I can't lose weight because this, this, that I'm like, no, you can't lose weight because you eat too many calories. Like it's, it's, it's simple. And then they're convinced that they're right because this guy with way more followers than you said it otherwise and i'm like well i don't know where to go from there but he's wrong (laughs) so the appeal to authority fallacy like what's sad is that the people with millions of followers a lot of them are just sharing misinformation Mm -hmm. to gain financially like like money it's all about money yeah and And because obviously he has more followers so he has to be right right (laughs) absolutely yeah he has more people click subscribe. So therefore he is more right than I am. And I'm just an 18 year old kid who obviously can't know anything. Right. Because you need to be a certain age before you can know stuff. But this is me off. I guess. So you, you mentioned <laughs> that you adjusted some of the recipes and honestly, I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of the ice cream, like the original ice cream recipe. It's, it's just off. Like, did you modify that one as well? I mean, I just use, I don't use ice. Ice is horrible. Gotcha. Like it, I don't know how anybody can like it. And I made a video about it and everybody roasted me about the blender I was using. And I'm like, guys, it's just a blender. Like spins. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like the ice because it leaves chunks and I prefer to not crunch my ice cream. Like, I don't know if you get that ice cream at like the Dairy Queen that's like opened 60 years ago and it's like probably should be shut down by the health code. And you go in and you get like these super crystally ice cream and you're just like, I don't enjoy this. That's the kind of vibe I got. So I feel you. Now speaking of ice cubes and ice and I, you're in, you're from Wisconsin, right? So like yep. the wind the winters, man. Oh, like yeah. how just walk me through it. Like what does everyone do in the winters? Because I know for sure as hell you're not outside. No. Uh, well, I am personally because I'm a snowboarder. So about okay. four or five years, four or five years ago, my brothers, uh, for Christmas were like, Hey Kev, do you want to go up to Granite Peak and try out snowboarding? And I reluctantly said yes. Um, <laughs> but it, I'm glad that I did because it led me on a lot of journeys that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I ended up thumping my way down the hill for the first day and had a bruised tailbone and, but the rest is history. Now it's good. But in terms of the winters here, like it goes zero to a hundred really quick. Yeah. Like it's summer and it's 90 and it's unbearable. And then you get about three weeks of like, Oh yeah, Wisconsin's great. <laughs> and it gets really cold really fast. And you can get some years we get a very little amount of snow. And some years we just get an absolute t- dumping of snow. Yeah. And so when I, first turned 16 and I was able to drive. Trust me, this will make sense in a second. I really got into cars. And so what happened was, is I really, I started finding myself with these cars that were not made for the winter in the winter. And so it made driving to school very interesting when you have rear wheel drive vehicles on ice. So but it made me a very good driver and <laughs> along with the shoveling, it's great exercise, but yeah, I mean, winter is so normal to me just cause I've grown up here my whole life. So okay. when I go to, I work at a, a local grocery store and a bunch of people who work there originally were born in Mexico. And so like when it's fall and it's like 60 degrees out, they're like, how are you wearing a t-shirt? It's so cold. I'm like, dude, first of all, I was born in the tundra. And second of all, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like I think it was two years ago where we had like that polar vortex. So we missed like four days of school or something because mm-hmm. the temperatures were literally like negative 40 and in negative 50. Oh God. So. so we're in Florida. We basically have summer year round. Do you strategically plan like bulking up for winter or do you not care? Well, um, or does it happen without planning? I'm I'm just deciding in my head whether I want to re- try to recite a joke, but um, 
my bulking before the the COVID season started, my bulking season followed. It was basically a perma bulk, a dream bulk, a never ending bulk. It was twenty four seven bulk. Eat five thousand calories as much as you can handle every single day, max out. And then it, my first cut ever was just this summer. And so now I think I'm going to start doing that where I want to potentially compete next year, depending on the whole situation, because everything right now is still blowing up like new record highs every day. So I'm kind of holding my breath on that a little bit, but I would like to compete next year. And even if I'm not going to, I'm still probably going to try to get shredded Mm -hmm. just because I thought it was fun for some reason. Um, This last year, I'm going to try to do it, but I'm going to try to do it better because there's some mistakes that I made and obviously didn't have access to weights. So Mm -hmm. Now I think, yes, I'm going to start coordinating the the bulking and cutting seasons, but I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'm just going to try it. So if I don't end up liking cutting down and prepping for a show, it's just something I'll do on one and done. Then I probably will fall into a more maintenance phase where I just kind of eat around the same all year and just kind of maintain maybe 12 to 15% all year. And then if I'm going to the beach on a vacation, you know, I'll take a month boom. Or if, Hey, I don't want to do a meet. Uh, I'll take two months, put on five, 10 pounds. Hey, that was fun. And then I'll lose it again. So I've kind of been on a never ending maintenance phase for the last two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> so are you trying to hit specific numbers tomorrow? Pretty much up? Yes. What so my goal for squat is 405, which I was able to hit 405 last March, but at 15 pounds, heavier body weight. Mm-hmm. 15 to 16 pounds heavier body weight. So I'm trying to match that, but obviously with way less weight. So that would be, that would be insane for me because that's almost like, that's like 8% of my body weight gone and hitting the same weight for bench. I'm going for 275 pounds, which is not anywhere near close to where I was before. I was at like, I was almost at 315 mm-hmm. uh, when I was actually when I was 17. So that's just mind blowing to think that I was able to get there. And eventually I want to get back there, but for some reason, pushing, pushing power always drops first. Mm-hmm. It's always that it, it, my pushing power, my pulling power, and then my legs go. So then for my deadlift, I'm hoping to pull, I would be happy with four Oh five. I've did it. Mm-hmm. I did it for a triple a couple months ago, but I haven't really trained it just because I wanted to like dial in my squat. And it's really hard to squat two times a week and deadlift two times a week. Yeah, right especially just because I like squatting more, I'm going to do what's fun because that's like another thing I feel is like people do these things they hate. And I'm like, why do you do it then? Like just make this fun. Like it's not going to be sustainable if it's not fun. So I've been enjoying the squat. And then, so if I could pull 405 as a deadlift, that would be, that would be sick because then I just want to get over a thousand pound total, which I think I'll clear easily. But I, I think that I have 415, 425 in me. What's your current body weight right now? Uh, 176 pounds as of this morning. Yeah, you'll get it. What's, what's your best squat? What, my best squat? Yeah. 460 something. How heavy were you? I was probably like 195-ish. Yeah, I'm not the strongest guy. That's why I ask. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to, I was going to say, um, so when it comes to powerlifting, there's, there's two major facets that you need to cover if we're just being general, right? One you need the tissue to move the weight. So we do need to have some sort of hypertrophic phase, right? And then you have to have the skill, all right? So you have to have that motor coordinates, uh, coordination in order for you to utilize that tissue that you just built to utilize it efficiently, right? And you mentioned that you went through this hardcore hypertrophic phase and now you dialed in your squat. So I was just curious if you can give us a little bit of detail because if we're just looking at general principles, you hit them bull. You mentioned how in your hypertrophic phase, you're, you're going to failure with your weight, your 70-pound backpack. Uh, what, was, what do you mean by dialed in your squat? So I love that you asked this question because this was like a theory that I was trying out because in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to make the best of this situation. I know a lot of people are talking about the quarantine 15 and like, that's not happening to me. So that was my, pl- that was my exact plan going in. I'm like, I'm going to build a nice amount of muscle. And then I'm going to use that tissue to allow me to get stronger because I know I hear a lot of people who talk about, you know, like, Oh, a bigger, stronger isn't, or a bigger muscle is not necessarily a stronger muscle. But what I always say is a bigger muscle has the capacity to be a stronger muscle. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what I did where I was able to, 
to build up my my muscles and then now i'm kind of just transitioning into this uh powerlifting phase mm-hmm. and uh could you repeat the question again yeah i know it was a long-winded one i knew i'd probably lose you man <laughs> but what i was gonna ask you is like so like you know there's a couple methods that people utilize when they do their powerlifting approach right uh-huh. um some people do high frequency low rpe because they're just really trying to get the motor recruitment going right mm-hmm. then you have the the more simplistic where it might be something along the lines of like you squat twice a week but you just kind of scale the rpe with the low repetitions i was just curious what technique you used okay I got it now. So now I know how I want to answer. So for that, I pretty much adopted a, I'm not sure if this is called concurrent periodization, but where Mm -hmm. I do a volume day and then I do an intensity day. Mm -hmm. So I'll have one day. So I always squat twice a week. And then I was benching actually three times a week, but I'll do squat twice a week where the first day is like, it's not to fit strength. When I do strength stuff, I usually never go to failure just because I feel like you are very limited in with those big compound movements on how many reps you can get before your nervous system is like, I'm going to yep. check out for the next two weeks yep. and there's nothing you're going to do about it. So for that, I pretty much would do like, I would work around like three sets of six at probably like a 70%. And then I would start there and then I would slowly bump up the weight and then I would reach a number that I was satisfied with. And then I would drop it back down to whatever I started at and then increase the reps and yeah. then work back up there. And then my other day, I would focus on purely power because the one thing I noticed that I lost the most was like, I had the strength to move the weight, but not the power to move the weight. Right. So the bar speed was not what I wanted it to be. So I would do sets of three and I would add sets every week. So I would start off three sets of three, four sets of three, five sets of three, and I would do the same weight each week, but progressively push the, like try to move the weight physically faster through space because it's like physics, right? It's just like momentum is mass times velocity. So if you can move it faster, that's more physical force that your muscles have to produce. And that's another thing that I figured out over this off season. I I learned so much, which is why this year is actually, despite it being a terrible year, it's actually turning into a pretty good year for me personally, because I've just learned so much Mm -hmm. where progressive overload is not just just more, more weight, more reps, more sets, more, more, more. It can be better technique. It can be a pause. It can be slower eccentrics. It can be time under tension. Like there's so many things that it can be a different variation. Like once you learn that and you have, now you have, instead of three tools to complete this job, you have 20 tools to complete this job and it just gets so much easier. Yeah, you're, you're basically describing like the conjugate method. Yeah. You do the heavy lifting, but you also hit the power and the fast movements, which might be the missing link for a lot of people because force is mass times acceleration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we followed the program like that once, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, you're utilizing the type X muscle fiber. Yeah, I, I don't miss. Like we wrote a program like two years ago and we were benching, squatting, and deadlifting three times per week. It only got me injuries. <laughs> like, I do not miss powerlifting. I PR'd. <laughs> I mean, I PR'd as well. Like, I PR'd at the body weight I was at, but, like, man, like, I don't miss heavy lifting right now. So did you, like, just cut the – so the frequency was super high. The volume must have been, like, nothing, right? The volume per session? It, yeah, it, relatively speaking. It was still, like – aggressive it was a decent amount it, yeah a decent it was amount. aggressive for sure but um we were like 12 weeks in yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was tough it was more i think the it was more so to see what our body can handle um and we definitely saw the capacity <laughs> i mean uh, yeah but it was it was good i did some prs at the body weight but like it was it was tough yeah so you probably did a lot more than you had to to get those results exactly yeah, probably yeah, yeah definitely yeah did not um, miss it at all to me, that's like one of the only ways to learn with training because the one thing that annoys me so much and some guy commented on my previous video and he uses all these big words in his comments. I'm like, I know what they mean and I know you're trying to like sound smart to me, but I don't care if a study says this because that study was done with like 20 dudes. Okay. Right. There's seven and a half billion of us. We're all different. And so I use science as a guideline and not a rule. And I don't like I mean, it, there's perfect guys who are like, like Mike Isertel, who are like wicked smart and they know mm-hmm. all the studies and they know all the literature and that's great. And he's huge and he's bigger than me. So he knows more than me. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's just like, 
I just like using the science as concepts and then kind of playing around with them. Mm-hmm. because again, we're all different. So I just like experimenting with stuff and like seeing what works specifically for me. I mean, yeah, science is just the base of the house, but everything else is the art, like experience, like figuring out what works for you because what works for you doesn't mean it works for me and it doesn't mean it works for him. Like everybody's different and yeah. everybody reacts to training in a different way. And yeah, that's what I felt like this, this guy commented on my video. I'm like, I just have you like ever worked out before? Because he's, he's telling me I eat too much protein. And I think what he exactly one thing he said was you're eating way too much protein and you could have got the exact same results with way less. And I'm like, but how can you say that? Because there is no alternative universe. I didn't do it with, with less. So I don't know how you can say my approach didn't work when I clearly made size gains and I clearly made strength gains but you're telling me my approach doesn't work because the science says one gram per pound is too much or, or whatever. Science, yeah, science is saying otherwise now, like yeah. higher protein. Um, yeah, but nine times, nine times out of 10, like the people that come at that are people that are 30% body fat and they never <laughs> lifted away in their life. Yeah. I mean, it didn't make me mad or anything. It didn't, I didn't lose sleep over it, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that I'm like, why are you telling me my approach doesn't work when it, when it clearly does? And I think mm-hmm. a, a very agreed upon census in the fitness community is high protein works. You don't have to do it, right. but if you're obsessed with optimization and that one being a one percenter, then you're going to be eating that chicken breast a lot of times a day. Oh yeah. It's like the God macro, macronutrient. It's like you uh, can't yeah. go wrong eating protein. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned back to Mike, even though he does all this research and he's really big into the community, Look at his videos. Yep. They're, they're so general. They're, 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 his recommendations are very general because mm-hmm. he knows how, like, how everyone's very different and how everybody can apply it differently and still get the same results. So when you have these people saying, like, you have to do it this way, I, that's what it tells me is they're new. They're, they're new to the industry, yep. you know, because I, I, I said this in previous podcasts, like, you know, I used to be a form dog. Like I used to be like that, the whistleblower to my, my clients. Like, no, that is not efficient, but it's yeah. just as you learn, you know, you, you don't get as wet behind the ears and you're just like, okay, I understand that everybody has their own way to getting from point A to point B and that's their efficient, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and plus with the more protein, you got body recomp, which you're going to, you know, yeah. burn more fat and look way more better. So that guy can literally take a hike. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's what I found. Like over those three months when I lost 25 pounds and I started putting the weight back on, I'm looking back at the pictures and I'm like, I got to do this again because it, it worked so well. And the main, the whole main gaining thing or, or maintaining whatever you would like to call it is kind of taken YouTube fitness by storm mm-hmm. because now everybody's jumping on that whole, like, I'm just going to eat at a maintenance all year round. And I, a lot of, I, I get a lot of beginners who ask me like, Oh, do you recommend this? And I still don't because I think first of all, don't try to be like perfect yet. Like when you're a beginner, like play around a little bit, give your body what it needs. Like, I don't really think that it's a good idea to bulk and cut and bulk and cut your first two or three years, like get in a good lean mass phase and just steadily put on weight or like, even if it's a pound a month or half a pound a month, Mm -hmm. just like steadily eat, give your body what it needs, sleep, recover. And then after three, four or five years, then worry about sculpting the statue. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even though there's not a lot of evidence for the main gaining or however you want to call it, I mean, I've personally been on a maintenance phase and I've seen results. Like I look bigger, like I'm like same amount of body fat percentage. Um, But that's, you hit the nail on the head. Like even though body recomp can happen, it might not be optimal. You might be better off just being on a surplus phase, just trying to be build most muscle that you can and then you can lose fat because if you try to do body recomp like what will take you a year could have taken you way less if you did it like the most quote-unquote optimal way but it, it all depends on like the goals of the person yeah another thing that you mentioned that was also hitting the nail on the head that a lot of people we have this binary thought process where it's all or nothing and at almost every situation, right? So like when you said bulk cut, we have somebody that's eating 500 calories or we have somebody that's eating 5,000 calories, right? And it's just neither are great, you know? So when we talk about bulking and you, as you alluded to, or cutting, it's about losing or gaining 
one pound, maybe a half a pound per week, and allowing your body to adapt over time. Because we know is if you give your body the time it needs, it's only going to give you benefits. Not this like, I, I, I'll be honest, when I first bulked, I looked gross. I looked terrible because, <laughs> well, I look so, I, like Cloud City, like Soft. you said earlier, man. I, I was uh, trying out for the football team and in, in, in football. They don't care about really how you look. They care about the numbers on a sheet and how you play, right? So I was mm-hmm. just like, I need to get this certain amount of weight. So I was in the cafeteria that all you could eat, eating pizza. I was slamming pizza, bro. Like my face was breaking out. Like it was <laughs> gross, bro. Like it was a low point. It was a very low point in my life, okay? But um, do I regret it? No, I learned from it. But like I said, everything in moderation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think, are you the one that, I mean, a lot of people I think I've seen it on YouTube, but do you walk a hundred thousand steps one day? Yep. Uh, How was that, that was experience? A, okay. It was absolutely brutal. That was the <laughs> hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Hands down. It's not even close. So a hundred thousand steps comes out to about 52 to 53 miles. Oh man. And so I actually saw Will Tennyson do it uh-huh. and I was like, well, oh, he can do it. I can do it. So I strapped up my, my walking shoes and I was just like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to walk 52 miles and I'm going to do it for fun. I'm going to do it for the content. And the video I don't even think turned out that well. Cause that's back when I was still filming on my iPhone. So, but I got up at, I think I got kind of a late start. So I got up at like 6am and I started, I walked for like two and a half hours. I'm like, okay, man, this is feeling pretty easy. I got like 10, I got like 11 miles down. Like I'm already good to go. And one thing I was, I was like going to make it harder on myself. I didn't eat any carbohydrates the <laughs> entire day. So I just ate beef and eggs like four times a day. And then I was going to do, cause I want to do an experiment with it because like, if I'm going to do something crazy, I want to learn something from it. So I kind of wanted to see what would happen. Like the transformation I could make in one day where I would deplete all day, super hard, take a picture, eat a disgusting amount of rice with ketchup on it, sodium, salt, water, and then see what would happen uh, overnight and see like what, what I would look like. So it pretty much started out as I was kind of confident, a little overconfident as teenagers tend to do. Uh, and then I got to like the 40,000 step mark. And then I was like, okay, this is getting a little more difficult. And then I ended up walking around like the whole lake that, I, that, so I don't know if you know Madison, but the capital sits on an isthmus. So it's between two massive lakes. And I walked around the entire one. I walked like all the way to the West side of the city. And then I walked like around my town for like miles and miles. And then it pretty much came down to, I was, it was at the end of the challenge. I had like 15,000 steps, which is like, a that's a big day for anybody to walk. And it was yeah. like probably nine o'clock. And so I just, I kept plugging and chugging and just walking and walking and walking. And it felt like my watch was broken. I'm like, there's no way it's counting these steps. <laughs> and then I rem- and then I was walking and I was about a half mile away from my house and I noticed my vision was going blurry and yeah. like, I was starting to like, I was starting to like sway a little bit and I was like, okay, this is probably not good. So what I think it was is maybe I was going a little hypocaloric because I had burnt so many calories that whole day and I hadn't replaced with any carbohydrates, just fat and protein. So then I ran home and had like some fruit because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to die for this. And basically I just kept, I ate a little bit of food, kept walking and finished the challenge at 11:45 PM. And I believe it was, 19 hours of continuous walking in a 24 hour day. So do you have any pain the day after? Um, not nearly as bad as I thought. I actually, my knees were pretty good. My muscles didn't hurt at all, but my Achilles tendon like was destroyed and it felt like my ankles had been like smashed with a hammer. But other than, I mean, other than that, right. It was, my body handled it way better than I thought because I watched some other people do it and they got destroyed. And I was like, oof, like that's I was crazy. I wasn't I, sure, but I ended up okay. I think the term is bonking. Am I crazy? Do you guys know what that term is? Bonking? I've never heard First of time it. I've heard it. I, I'm going to definitely Google it after this and bonking. just make it, you're going to Google it. All right. He, yeah. We're having, we're having him pull it up. I think it's bonking. I heard it somewhere, but long story short is like endurance trainers or endurance uh, runners or, uh, athletes will like hit the wall and they literally pass out because they're so depleted on carbs. 
Um, I think to hit someone or something. No, bonking. Here, I'll pull it up. I mean, I don't know. Weird guy. Bonking. Here, I got it. I got it. I got it. It's oh, hitting the wall. Hitting yeah, the wall. Hitting so, the yeah. Wall. So, basically, it just says endurance sports such as cycling and running, hitting the wall, or bonk is a condition of sudden fatigue and loss of energy when that is caused by depletion of glycogen stores. You bonked, bro. Oh, man. I bonked. <laughs> I didn't even know that. We learn here. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to start using that term. And I use it for the YouTube. Yep. So you mentioned in your, your cut, you made a couple of mistakes or errors that you want to autocorrect or refine. What were they? The first thing was not necessarily a mistake, but it would be having access to weights. Um, Mm. I had to adjust on the fly so quick with like, so I started losing weight and I was like, okay, the weight loss wasn't the hard part. It was like, how am I going to train? So that's a common question is, oh, I got to start doing sets of 15 when I'm trying to lose weight, you know, cause I got to get cut. But mm-hmm. you, at least what I've heard is you want to, and what I've, what I did was I tried to train super heavy and like keep the strength up, but I had to obviously lower the volume cause I can't handle as much volume uh, in a deficit. So I tried to train as close to what I could in a bulk because it made it different because I don't normally train with calisthenics. Like sometimes I'll throw some pull-ups or some dips into my routine, but it's not usually a staple. Uh, personally, just cause I started on calisthenics for like three or four months and I got so sick of it. And then it just, it wasn't fun. Like I learned how to do some of the cool moves that you might see. And then I just kind of got sick of it. And so I had to jump from weightlifting and then I tried my best to create similar movement patterns. So like pull-ups, pull-downs, push-ups you know I would like use parallettes to get more depth I would put my feet up I would do handstand push-ups on parallettes to try to simulate an overhead press mm-hmm. uh, so I was doing all this stuff but I, I ran into a big problem with with modulating my training and how I modulated my frequency volume and intensity which I felt like ended up me losing a little more muscle than I would have liked but I'm not too hard on myself considering the circumstances that we were in so that's one thing that I would change change next time. Um, and as for the diet part, I think I did pretty well, but I would want to add more vegetables and more fruit than I already had because I just feel like when I was the days that I ate more, I felt way better. Mm -hmm. And just like super dosing fruits and vegetables doesn't have any downsides, especially because they're low calorie dense foods. And I really enjoy the taste of them. Um, but those are the only ones that really come to mind because it was like one kind of cut. It was kind of spontaneous. It wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. And I, I, overall, next time I just want to have a lot more structure. I want to have a distinct plan going in. I want to, you know, make sure I'm going to be doing this much on this week and then I'm going to change it to this week. And I want to have, I want to have a lot more control of the variables. Yeah, for sure. It's, that's the one thing that it's kind of interesting though. Like, you know, we've had a lot of people on between when COVID started till now and everybody just, at least the ones that we've had on all took it with like stride. So like, for example, uh, I don't know if you, you alluded to this, but did you start filming in COVID or was this prior? Yes. June 1st, I believe was my very first video. Yeah, see, like, it's just, we, we decided to write a book. And then, like, you know, we have a lot of people that just were like, yeah, I had all this downtime. So I just said, let's do it. And it's interesting how mindsets basically rule all, right? You have all this downtime, do something with it versus complaining on the internet, making memes and sitting on the couch, you know? It's, it's yeah. Now, I'm just curious, you know, like, we were talking about how you are almost obsessed with uh, personal personal development right? Mm -hmm. Um, What are some things that you're personally trying to develop now? I'm really trying to develop, I'm always trying to develop the way my demeanor towards others. Um, It's something I kind of struggle with, I'll be honest. And it it took me a little growing up to admit that. Um, I am not the best with dealing with other people, especially in real life. I can be kind of harsh sometimes. I can be kind of abrasive. So that's something I want to work with or, or work on, you know, because I feel like that's a very important skill. And as well as I want to, I'm always working every day to beat the procrastination habits and the work habits that I had the day before. So in high school, like it was, it was easy for me. I'm going to be honest. I was one of those kids that I would do my homework. Like I wouldn't skip the homework, but I wouldn't study. I would kind of pay attention in some classes. Other ones just came so naturally. I'm like, 
you know, I mean, can you really blame me? But I knew that when it was time to go to college, like, all right, this is, this is the game now. Like mm-hmm. that was practice. Now, now we're playing. So mm-hmm. I, I always try to work to beat my procrastination habits. And that's the one thing that controls me more than anything is the, my ability to get the work done. Mm-hmm. I already know that I have this, the skill I have, the power to do it. And I have the intelligence to do it. I just need to get myself to do it. And, and that's the main thing that I'm trying to beat myself every single day, because I feel like I have like the discipline to go training. It's been four, almost four years now. Mm -hmm. Like that is so locked in my head. Like I got a timer that counts down when my next meal is like, Mm -hmm. it never stops going. So I, that has already been incorporated into my life, but yeah, it's just those, those procrastination habits and always trying to push and learn more, like no matter what it is, if it's a YouTube video and I have to make a better thumbnail, because that's one thing that I've been learning is thumbnails and titles are like 90% of a video. I can make a banger. And if it doesn't have a good thumbnail, nobody's going to watch it. So like doing things, like always committing to learning more. And that's one thing that I think also gets lost is it's not just bang your head against a wall to work. Mm -hmm. You actually need to be learning as you're going and commit to learning more and more every single day. So as well as learning, beating those procrastination habits. Now I'm curious, I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you. Um, let's I'm just ready. say, so you're going to graduate and yep. as a chemical engineer, correct? Uh, bio, 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 biochemistry, biochemistry, yeah, chemical okay. and biology, uh, biological engineering, I believe. You believe? <laughs> I, think, I think that's the name. It's like, yeah, it's something to do with like biology, engineering, whatever. So uh, you get your degree and you get a solid job and then your YouTube takes off and you're basically seeing revenue from two things. Yep. What are you going to pick? You have to pick one now, which one you going with? Oh, see, that's tough because I don't know what the career of having a chemical and biological engineering degree holds for me yet. Mm -hmm. As I was talking with Raul before you got here, um, my dream job would actually be to be a kind of a, a nutritional coordinator for a professional sports team. So coming mm-hmm. from Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers, if I could coordinate a team of athletes on what they eat and maybe what they, how they train. Mm-hmm. So like the linemen, you eat this, you train like this. The linebackers, you eat like this, you train like this. Pretty mm-hmm. boy, the quarterback, you eat like this, you train like this. That to me would be awesome because I love working with variables. And if I can have a like a bunch of guinea pigs per se that like they're going to follow what I tell them to do, but they're committed, they're they have the genetics to do it. And yeah, that would be an awesome job, but I don't really want to take up a nutritional science degree just in pursuit of that, just because I still, at the end of the day, I love biology. I love how cells work. I, I love all that. So in terms of what the classes I'm taking, it's not like a defined path. So I'm set in that right now, but it could mm-hmm. easily change to something else. So like microbiome technology, it could change to like anything in the chemistry and biology field. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I don't know what that really holds for me. But on the other side, YouTube content creation and content creation in general is just I'm having so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I think I would honestly, I would have to pick that one for the specific reason that I enjoy that so much and I might, is it, can I like, am I allowed to like start a business? Is that allowed? Yeah, of course. So if I like do that and then I use the revenue from that to fund the mission and make a other company that could revolve around something to do with biology or chemistry and Uh that's so far ahead of future, I don't even have any ideas yet, but I think I would choose that because then I wouldn't have to work at a job Mm -hmm. that where you know, I don't call the shots. I could like make a company with the revenue from the YouTube Mm -hmm. and end up funding like my own mission. And then that's what I, I don't know if any of you have heard of the YouTube channel, Think Media. It's like a big YouTube Mm -hmm. channel about talking about getting better at creating YouTube content. And they always talk about money funding the mission. And so that's what I tell myself every time I go to work, I post on my Instagram, nine hour day done, hashtag fund the mission. So it's like you need that money to fund what you want to do. So I would choose the the YouTube career because it would give me the funds to allow me to fund my dreams. Have you tried to find like quote unquote guinea pigs right now, maybe family members or friends to help with their nutrition to get some experience or 
Oh, heck yeah. I have uh, a friend of mine. His name's Justin. He may watch this. He knows if I'm talking about him. Uh, he recently just got a gym membership to my gym and he pretty much follows what I do. I wrote him a diet plan and he helps me film some of my videos. So he pretty much follows what I tell him to do so I can modulate. And he's got, he won't admit it, but he's got really good genetics. So I can kind of see how he changes and develops and reacts to certain things. Cause I'd be like, okay, we're squatting today. And I want you to do this many reps, this many sets at this RPE. And he's like, okay. So he does it. And then I can track how it, how he's feeling week to week and I can mm-hmm. work personally with him. And obviously he's my friend. So it's just for fun. And he's just, he's just there to get big. So he's like, all right, do whatever's going to get me big. And so I can like kind of modulate some things and it's, it's awesome having somebody like that. And that's why, situation. and that's why I would, I've always been interested in like, working with a sports team because all those guys want to get, want to be the best athletes they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a, a great opportunity. You know, that's an interesting con- Like the whole conversation and topic of like pro football or pro sports in general, right. Um, they're already at the level where like, they're already like, for example, like I, I was talking, I have a couple of friends that are in the NFL and he, they just talk about how it's a norm where they'll, they'll squat 500 pounds and, and it's nothing. You know, like they'll work up to it and then they'll hit it uh-huh. and there'll be like an RP of maybe like six, maybe. Uh-huh. And then they'll just, they'll, they'll work their way down again. And it's, it's interesting because they already hit that level. They don't really need to get any stronger. They just need to be become more proficient at their sport. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it's interesting because like, you know, we, we, and we talk about maybe our friends or like lower athletes, it's more about, we need to make you a machine so you can do those things out on the field. But mm-hmm. them, it's just like, I'm already a machine. You just got to make sure I don't get hurt. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting how it does, the, the whole intent switches. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that's just so fuels my love of training is that there's just so much more to your numbers. It's being an athlete means so much more than how much you bench. And that's another critical thing that I learned when I lost a bunch of weight and I was able to do a lot more different. I was able to run faster, jump higher. Mm-hmm. I was more flexible. I didn't feel like tub of crap all the time and yeah <laughs> you know i do find it isn't that interesting how like you can like essentially when you're eating a lot you're giving a, your body energy right like you're giving like a fuel source but you just feel lethargic and tired all the time you know so it's kind of like a paradox that you wouldn't really consider yeah it's uh and, and i say i was super i was not like i've seen some of the bulking videos online where like people go nuts like lee priest nuts and i never i i still had abs right Mm -hmm. like so like very faint but they were there (laughs) and so i never really like went that far with it but yeah it's like i noticed my my insulin sensitivity was like terrible and once i lost a little bit of weight and i learned this from stan efforting i don't know if you probably are super familiar with him where you have to lose weight to put weight back on. I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you have to like refresh your insulin sensitivity. And then once I learned that, and then I was eating less, but I was using the food better. So I could get the same results out of 3,500 calories as 5,000 because I was using it way better. And it wasn't just felt like it was just going through me, but it did kind of, it was kind of awesome because then I could eat literally whatever I wanted and it would go straight through me. And I didn't have to worry about gaining weight because like I was already force feeding to the point where walking for 10 minutes would make me lose weight. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, did you follow the vertical diet? Uh, yes. So that was my, I just dropped another video, I believe two days ago, but the video before that was talking about how I did the vertical diet for three months mm-hmm. and awesome experience. And that's like the, I made some changes to that as well, because I think saying one diet plan to fit everybody is just anarchy like that that's, right. uh, is that a thing so i made some changes to that but i had a, a fantastic experience with that like literally my immune system was amazing i was like normally i would when i'm like training at really high intensities i would get like a sore throat or something like mm-hmm. every couple months i'd get a little sniffle here and there nothing none of that i felt like my joints were recovering a lot better i felt like i just felt like an all-around better package on that diet because mm-hmm everybody gets so concerned with the macros and, Oh, how much fat do I need to eat? I'm like, dude, you're not where you want to be. It's not because of how much carbs you're eating. That's, that's not why. And so when you focus on, okay, I already got the the macronutrients locked down. Now I need to focus on the micronutrients and getting everything my body needs to give it the best fighting chance to get it to where I want it to be. Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I've stumbled across it a couple, uh, quite a long time from now. Like I, I saw, as so a long story short, when I saw him talking about the diet, he was showing what he eats. I think he calls it the monster mash. Mm-hmm. Um, then he also is just like, oh, here's my sirloin steak. And I'm just thinking here as a college student, like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> nope, can't, can't do that it. either. But, um, you know, but it's, it's interesting because like you said, it's just like it's, yes, the amount of carbs, fat, protein matter. But if your, your micronutrients aren't anywhere close to where they need to be, your, bio, your bioavailability is trash, you know? Um, yeah, but like, you know, that's, that's the small things. You know, you try to teach people big things first and then you work your way to the small things and they get stuck up here and they never get down here, you know? Yeah, and that's one thing that I'm always cautious about when I'm making videos, right? And like, I never thought making video, like it's fitness. It's, it's really, it's, it's not that hard, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's one thing I never really estimated was, was the teaching aspect. Like it's literally like a thing. Like you have to learn how to teach people to do things. Mm-hmm. And I'm always so, af- I shouldn't say afraid, but I'm always kind of concerned when it comes to like mentioning small things. Cause I'm like, okay, this matters, but it's not anywhere close to this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah taking your creatine every day matters right but sleeping eight hours of night is way more important yeah, right supplementation is important but eating enough protein is way more important so it's like trying to show people that yes this matters but if you can do one you got to do this and yep. it's kind of works on like that that pyramid that they always talk about Mas- maslow's hierarchy yeah, of needs yeah, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, okay, the bottom is like your recovery. So it's like your macronutrients and your sleep. And then it's like, or hyd- you could probably throw hydration in there. And then, then you move up a tier. And then it's like, okay, how optimized is your training? And then then you move up and it's like, okay. And then at the top, it's like supplementation. So yeah, yeah it's like a big teaching aspect. Not to mention like, you know, we have dwindling attention spans with, you know, TikTok and, and Instagram only giving you a minute. Luckily you're on it. YouTube where it's a little bit more long form, but still like you've got to keep that attention. Yeah. If you don't have a cut scene of you doing something, they're like, all right, yep. fuck this, I'm out, yeah. you know? And actually that's what I kind of want to talk about that is I've been like going hard at the watch time. Like that's the only stat I look at watch time. How long can I keep people's eyeballs on my video? And so I've had to mix in like, edits where i do like some some cool shots some cool transitions with some dope music just to keep people to watch the video for like four five six minutes but some videos i can even get people like the average like a video gets like 700 views right and the mm-hmm. average person watched it for eight minutes i'm like i i held the average viewer for eight minutes uh-huh. most people's like don't even pay attention for 10 seconds right. so like that's just the one thing that is like been crazy to me is like you have to focus on holding that attention the kim kardashians um so my girlfriend was good like big into keeping up with the kardashians and i shit you not every like three to five seconds it was a bunch of flashes and it would change scene and just like if i had epilepsy i'd be done like i'd be over with but yeah i'll tell you what i finished that episode i was like oh my god it's over already (laughs) <laughs> so take some take some notes watch some kim kardashian <laughs> i think it's over now but <laughs> oh don't act like you don't know what it is man never seen it oh just me it's just me here <laughs> okay all right <laughs> i mean i honestly don't have any more questions or topics i don't know if you want to talk about anything else if not like where can people find you uh, so I'm on YouTube as Kevin Clark. I'm on Instagram as Clarky underscore Kevin. Also on Twitter as that. And then for some reason, if anybody's watching and likes gaming, I have a gaming channel. You can find that link uh, at my main YouTube channel. I just, again, I do that for fun just because it helps me get, get myself exposure to the camera, gets me more comfortable with it. And I think it's another piece of that puzzle in terms of full content creation because mm-hmm. I'm going to play video games anyway. I might as well make it some content, find it, make another way for people to either enjoy my company or to find me and build my influence. So sweet. I'll link your YouTube channel and your Instagram to the show notes. Sweet. Thank you. Appreciate it.